Lord, we want to thank you for the country of El Salvador, these beautiful people, and Lord, some with much hope and others without any hope. I thank you, Lord, that through the years you have been at work in this country. Over the generations you've been at work in this country. And I thank you for how you're bringing things together and for the privilege that we have to be a small part of what you're doing there. Thank you, God, for the experience for the 15 of the team. We pray that many more will have a similar experience in months and years to come. We pray for your church in El Salvador, Lord. Give them courage, the ability to take the risks that are necessary in a gang-infested country, in a country where there is great poverty and the economy is very difficult. But I thank you in spite of all of those circumstances that you are the one that's in the midst of that country. And God, I pray that you will lead your people as they serve you in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. I'm just wondering by chance if Roberto is here. Roberto is our IT person at the church and he lives out in Leduc area. Are you here, Roberto? Okay. He's from El Salvador and uh, I indicated to him, he was so pleased that we were going to his country and uh, being a part of praying for his country and he thought he might be here this morning. Let me just tell you a few things. Uh, El Salvador experienced a very horrific civil war between 1980 and 1992. For 12 years, the walls have been exceptionally high in this country. The walls between people, the rich and the poor, the government and the people. And the conflict was between the military-led government, backed by the United States, and the Liberation Front, a guerrilla organization that was trying to help the poor people of the country. And even today, as, uh, as you've heard from, from us, many of the poor people live on only a dollar a day, maybe some five dollars a day. And as in many nations of Latin America, the history of El Salvador has been characterized by this uh, long-standing socioeconomic inequality. And through the years, this uh, infection, this inequality began to fester and before long, a civil war broke out. In 1980, the Archbishop of this country, Monsignor Oscar Romero, we have a school in our city named after Oscar Romero. He published an open letter to the US president at that time, Jimmy Carter, in which he begged him to cut off military aid to the Salvadorian regime. He advised President Carter that political power is in the hands of the armed forces and that they know only how to repress the people and defend the interests of the wealthy. He warned the U.S. that their support would only sharpen the injustice and repression against the people. On the 24th of March, 1980, the Archbishop was assassinated while giving a Mass in this very church a month after his request to the President. At his funeral, a week later, 
government-sponsored snipers in the National Palace in front of the National Cathedral were responsible for the shooting and deaths and trampling of some 42 mourners. Whoever shot Monsignor Oscar Romero on that Sunday in 1980 in the chapel of the hospital where we attended worship just a week ago today, about this time, really didn't realize what they were doing. One bullet turned Oscar Romero into a martyr and a man who is highly regarded throughout the land. Even though he's been gone for over 30 years, his influence is still very much felt. His life is being used to bring peace and equality to the land. And today, although the Civil War is over, the economy of the land is very difficult. Poverty is seen in the cities and throughout the country. And because uh, the economy is so bad, the gangs have risen up. There are two major gangs in the, in the city, in the country, and they are at war with one another. Young people are lured into the gangs in hope of a brighter economic future, only to find that once they get in, they can't get out. The gangs are so strong that they have territories. They knock on the door of a home and they demand money. It's called extortion. They give you a week to pay, and if you don't pay, they kill you. So when the knock comes, the family members quickly move to a different place because these are not idle threats. Even the transit system has to pay a charge for going into gang territory. Delivery trucks are used to paying a fee for delivering in gang territory. There is great fear and injustice in the land. But what I want to say is, nevertheless, the Church of Jesus Christ is figuring out ways to transform communities. The church is leading the way. The church is being the hands and feet of Jesus in these communities. And they're making life easier for poor people. They're providing opportunities for income, like we've mentioned, tilapia farming. That's these delicious tilapia fish that you buy in Safeway. But they're raising them in their backyards. They're growing them in their backyards in these little ponds, vegetable gardens, every, ever so small, but they're making a difference to ensure that there's food on the table. The church is partnering with community organizations. I think this is so marvelous to bring in electricity, to bring in water, and to make the community a better place in which to live. Uh, it's, it really thrilled my heart to see what a church can do as you partner with the community. And of course, it brought me all right back, right back home, and to, to inspire us again to be a part of, of serving in our community. And in that process, many are coming into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Children, as Mark said, of gang members are coming to Pastor Martha's congregation, and they're coming to know Jesus Christ, and they have a high regard for Pastor Martha. 44,000 kids have a brighter future because of Compassion International. El Salvador is still a divided nation. There is still great disparity between the rich and the poor. And you know... It reminded me that it is, it is human nature to build walls. The Chinese built the Great Wall of China over a period of 2,000 years to keep out invaders. The East Germans built the Berlin Wall to keep people from fleeing from East to West Germany. The United States has built a wall on the border with Mexico in several places in order to keep the Mexican people from streaming into the United States. And while we build walls for all kinds of reasons, 
one thing that all walls have in common is that they cause separation. The Apostle Paul talked about a wall that had come down between the Jews and the Gentiles. It's the wall in Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, it's that verse in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 14. For years, for generations, there had been a wall between the Jewish people and the Gentiles. And Paul speaks directly to the Gentiles and he says to them, at one time you were excluded from citizenship in Israel. You were foreigners to the covenant. You were without hope and without God in the world. But something happened. Jesus Christ came. You were far away from God, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. So the Apostle Paul says, look what's happened. We were two people. We were walking on two separate roads. We didn't talk to one another. We didn't interact. We didn't understand one another. We didn't care for one another. We didn't love one another. There was a big wall between us, but Christ came. And he came and he brought the wall down between us. And that verse says, For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. How did he do that? By giving his life on a cross. And you know, the, the church in El Salvador knows the solution to the walls that are in, in their country. And they work through the community in partnering with organizations, and, and they do that because they're smart, and they know how to connect with their community. But they always proclaim Jesus Christ as the one who brings down the walls. And uh, I am so thrilled to see what God is doing there. It was a wonderful day when the walls came down between Jews and Gentiles. And Paul gives all the credit to Jesus, who gave his very life so that we could experience his peace. There's power when the walls come down. And it's called the power of oneness. And what we experienced on our trip to El Salvador, the power of four churches on a common mission here in South Edmonton. There were no barriers. There were no attempts to spotlight one church over another. We were one. And that was a wonderful testimony that four churches, many churches, can serve together under the banner of Christ. The power of oneness. When believers are together in unity, God steps in and he does some amazing things. When the unity is not there, it's like God steps out and we stumble and we can't get momentum and we struggle and you can see it. I never take for granted the special season that God has granted to TCC. I pray the season never ends. I tell you a secret, friends. This is very special. I cherish it and I'm grateful that you too recognize the strength that comes through unity. Thank you for protecting that oneness. Guard it. Cherish it. Pray that the unity of the body would continue among us as we're privileged to experience it. It is a wonderful gift. And God steps in powerfully 
when there is unity, the power of oneness. How do we live in oneness? When we live in the Lord, under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So this morning, we remember not only that our men and women in uniform, many who paid the ultimate sacrifice, but we remember who brought the wall down. We remember the wall that came down between Jews and Gentiles and the walls in marriage that come down when Jesus Christ is Lord and the walls between parents and children and the walls with employers and employees and the walls with community and the walls with authority and the walls between nations and the walls between various people groups. And the one who brings the walls down, no one else but Jesus Christ. He's the one who has brought peace. In a moment, we're going to take a, take a piece of bread and some liquid from a cup. And in so doing, we will, we will remember and give thanks for Jesus Christ. For we know that he is the central figure in all of history. We celebrate Jesus today as the one who makes the difference individually and globally. We celebrate the power of being one in him. Communion, the Lord's Supper, is a time to remember what Christ has done for us. He gave his life on a cross for you, for me. And as you take this bread this morning and as you take this cup, let me ask you, are there any walls that need to be taken down? Are there some words that need to be retracted? Is there some forgiveness that needs to be requested or extended? The power of oneness. If you know Jesus Christ in a personal way, and you've invited him to come into your life, and you said yes to him, Lord, I want you to be the major player in my life. Oh, then come and join us at the table this morning. Our... Uh, preparation team for the communion has, uh, and you will see as you come, has different colored bread uh, in the trays this morning to represent the diversity of people uh, upon this earth <clears throat> and to know that Jesus Christ has brought us all together in him. He has broken down the dividing walls and we are one people.